From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast. It's the Friday Roundtable here at Classic Rock at 981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We're on your very favorite podcast app as well. And the Craig Needles Podcast is powered by our friends at Downtown London. And we are joined here in the studio today for the Roundtable by former City Councilor Hollywood Cheryl Miller, Jared Zaifman, the CEO of the London Home Builders Association, and Steve Kortz, who is the Executive Director of Youth Opportunities Unlimited. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Always appreciative of the time. I'm back. You're back. Like yeah, a bad a penny, bit. I turned up again. <laughs> well, we'll see what uh, what kind of trouble you can get into today. And yeah. uh, we've got some, some troublesome topics, uh, <laughs> one of which being, and this is super contentious, obviously, and and I do understand where a lot of people are coming from this that may have se- seemingly opposing views, and that is the police budget conversation. We're looking at a six hundred and seventy plus million dollar budget coming up for London police. That is a massive number, and the police board held a news conference this week and they had people from western and fanshawe there explaining why hey we need this to happen hey this makes sense uh i'll say how i feel about this coming up but cheryl i want to ask you if you're on council and you're looking at this type of ask in this economic climate from the police what would you be doing i was a always a pussycat on the police budget Mm-hmm. firmly supported it right from the get-go. <clears throat> it was a constant battle. There was a number of, and they were called the um, killer bees. I recall. Were opposed to the police budget every time. And the irony is that one of the killer bees is now on the police board. Uh, but it's it's a huge ass. But the problem is, is when you keep sliding back and you slide back, slide back, you end up, you have to eventually get to where you're going. Should it all be done the first year? No. I think you've got to look at it, what's needed and plan for four years. So I'm, I'm supportive of it, and I think the public is supportive of it. I think people are just utterly fed up with no responses back when their cars are stolen, when there's vandalism, when all the rest of it. So I think you'll find council will support this. I think that's probably the way it's going to go, but it's going to be contentious, Steve. What do you think? Just there's a lot of other yeah. things that people want council to be doing right now. So you're spending $670 million on one. Uh, that makes it tighter for everybody else. Well, that's right. And I started off thinking, okay, it actually is a reasonable ask, actually, uh, in, in a lot of ways. But I'll circle back on that. Um, I probably dealt with like maybe seven different police chiefs in my career. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, London has had some good ones. Uh, and uh, I would say we've never had one that's more community-minded than the one we have now. So not in my uh, last seven anyway experiences. So on that front, I give a lot of trust to uh, what he's telling us and what he's telling the community about our level of need and so on. Mm -hmm. And also, too, I look at it and I think, well, London has bragging rights in some areas that I don't think we should ever be looking for bragging rights in. One is, you know, our policing cost per capita is always among the lowest in the province. Officers per capita among the very lowest in Ontario as well. Very close. And our spend on public transit is always among the lowest. And and I don't think those are things to brag about. (laughs) I think that's a deficiency. So so that. But then I look at and and I think there's a good point to be made. If you're going to choose between social services and organizations and, and initiatives that, that prevent uh, police involvement versus, versus a police increase, 
I think we, I think that then becomes a very difficult conversation. So yes, I support the request because I think that uh, I have a lot of confidence in our current chief, and I know that we're uh, uh, we're low per capita. But then I look at does that mean that we're not going to invest in some support programs and alternative programs that could prevent police involvement and a lot of other stuff? Welcome yeah. to being elected. Yeah. Well, luckily I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so people sort it out. <laughs> Jared, you have been <laughs> yes. in this situation. Where would uh, where, what sort of questions you be asking, or what would you be thinking about this type of ask from the police? Well, I think I, I echo everyone's thoughts so far. I think right now, you know, especially coming prior to COVID and then the pandemic, and I think since then it has put such a magnifying glass and expanded the problems that already existed in our community have only gotten worse um and i think you know the wait times are extremely long uh, it's just getting untenable for a lot of people in our community and so i think you know broadly i think there might be a lot of support for this because people are fed up um and i think people want to secure they want to live in a safe city and i think you know quite interesting how um, you know, Chief Trong and the police have kind of now established London is not a safe city. That's, Certainly the mayor that, that, that was that. what the, uh, they were saying at the news conference yesterday. And that was the messaging over and over again. And that yeah. a me- messaging was aggressively pushed on social media this week. And, you know, I think it's they're not wrong. Right. And it's acknowledging a problem that we have and trying to deal with it. Uh, it you know, to Steve's point, are there other ways? You know, we obviously that's you know, more police will certainly help uh, in the ongoing challenges, but it may not necessarily, you know, stop more challenges from coming up. And so I think, you know, the, the difficult part for council is, um, and Cheryl kind of mentioned this a little bit, but, you know, when I was on council, uh, I did challenge the police budget. And part of the difficulty there is that you don't, as a councillor, have the ability to delve into the police budget. So it's either you take it or you don't. And you don't have the ability to manipulate, to ask for changes, yeah. to suggest. Can you take this line item out or that line item uh, out? Right. You have that ability with a bunch of the other boards and commissions that come to you for funding. You do. And so it is a very, especially when it comes to police, it's a tricky one for counselors to handle because, again, it's, it's essentially either you take it or you don't. Uh, and then if you don't, you know, you're going to end up in front of arbitration and, you know, Typically, it will go to the police. Not to say that it's not understandable why that would happen, uh, but you know the idea of trying to maybe extend this out over the four-year period, or try and stretch it out, or build it up over that time period to make it not as significant as a hit immediately. Uh, council just doesn't really have that flexibility unless the police board might come forward with something different on that. But Jared, it's never gone to before the police commission ever. Um, many times when I was over a number of years I was on, we did challenge and we said, okay, take 1% off or 2% rather than dictate. Um, so none of them, none of the police chiefs have taken and gone to the province and said, we demand this and we're denied it. So they've all tried to be part of the solution. So council does have that option. Um, and they, and I think, you know, there's some issues that... The pl- on the police budget that people are going, do we need another one? And I heard Murray say something very interesting. He said, you know, if you're setting up uh, a, a situation, you have to have two because you have to have you have to cover both exit points. And Murray was agreeing with with the suggestion of the current police. So, you know, that's the problem being a counselor and sitting on on council. We have to balance. The police have one job, and 
that's why it's very difficult for us to say them go back and cut officers, right, or anything like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough thing. But I found that their stuff on the social media was really interesting, and I thought it was well played. There wasn't a woman, but it was all men. Yeah, uh, I that, was, that was tackier than hell. Yeah, yeah, that visual was not what you nope. wanted. I agree in, entirely yep. with you there. Yep. We'll talk about the London Police Association in a second. That's a whole other I kettle know. of fish. Yeah. That, they, that That's not how they should have handled it. Uh, here's what I'll say on the budget items. Uh, I get how officers per capita, London, close to the bottom of the province, and th- that is causing demonstrable issues in the city of London. When people call for help for police, and not just quote-unquote people for property crime or whatever. But when, like, London abuse... And I've had Jennifer Dunn, I've had Jesse Roger here on this panel saying, hey, if there's been situations and we've called the police and there just isn't anyone to come. And so when London Abuse Women's Centre and Inova are calling the police and not getting someone to be able to come because there's some guy hanging around there who shouldn't be, that's a real problem. I understand that we need more officers because that is a real problem. When you're asking for this number of officers... When budget situations are as tight as they are, when the economy is where it's at, is this the time to ask for a new trading center and ask for new tasers and ask for the new lav? It just feels like you're asking for a lot all at once. I know it's a four-year budget cycle, but it feels like you're asking for a lot all at once. So I think from a PR perspective, this could have been a little different. If Maybe you curbed, not all, not even some of the ass, just a few of them, and said, hey, we don't necessarily want to do this right now because budgeting stuff. Because every other board and commission that's going to ask the city for stuff, if you look at the mayor's budget, everyone else, there's going to be something that gets taken out of it. Jared, I know what you said. It's not the same with the police. I get that. But you just have to wonder, could you have gone to the police and said, hey, give us a PR win. I know you asked for these six things. Can you say we don't need two of them? right now or we do two of them in the future is that is that worthy of a conversation here just from where we're at like an 8.8 percent tax that's a lot of money it it might be i would say but at the same time i think if i was the police right now i'm not surprised where they're coming from yeah i think it's probably if you're going to ask for something given it is it's very difficult economic times i think it's also one of the most challenging times we've had in our community ever from a policing and safety and security perspective Mm -hmm. and i think they're they're right on that not taking advantage of it but taking advantage of the opportunity that exists where there's a strong need for it and i think the community really feels it and so is this the time to ask for everything you're looking for and and again yeah probably you know extra officers uh you know what's really needed maybe some of that isn't as needed uh but again you know i think the the right on them they're asking for it so i'm not surprised and they have the hammer which is if the board doesn't like or the chief doesn't like what council sends back they can go to ocpc and in all likelihood just get what they ask for anyway and that's relevant. Now, I know some people would say, Craig, Toronto's pushing back on their police budget ask. Hamilton's pushing back on their police budget ask. Yes, that's true. I don't care about those and, cities. Well, I don't know if Come I care on, about those then. cities either, but here's the thing. Who cares? If, if, we're, if the thought process is, well, London's just going to lose at OCPC, well, maybe Toronto and Hamilton are going to suffer the don't very care. same fate there. Don't care. Don't care. I think the police chief's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. It's so much like my kid. Mom, I really would like a new car. No, 
we can't afford one. No, I have to have a car because I got to do this and university, blah, blah, blah. What if we bought you a used one? Okay. She got the car. I I thought I won. Yeah. I didn't win. She won. So I love the fact that police came in and said, we want this, 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 and this. Here's what we want. Let's work it out. I love it. I love it. I think it's... I think it's ballsy, and I think it's well long overdue because we always had chiefs who capitulated and pushed back and set up a a wall. I don't think there's any wall now between council and and the police department, and that's a nice thing. I think the risk is that there (laughs) could be a wall between the folks that say, what about if we invested differently in this, and what about if we invested differently in that, and how do we include those voices in all of this conversation because there's really important points to be made around that stuff. And then maybe that's when we look at, do you need a new armored vehicle system? Do you need this? Do you need that? Can we invest that money differently? For sure, officers on the streets, for sure, all the equipment, uh, and maybe all the other stuff uh, that, that, that the chief has put forward and the, and the um, police board has put forward. But maybe, too, we need to find time in this conversation for uh, some more prevention stuff and uh, what else can we be doing with the community before we tie up all that money and capital. But it always happens that way, Steve. I know. It's, it's, this is the pot. Um, do you want to make the pot bigger or what do you want to take out? Because there's not going to be putting in. It's what do you want to take out. So I understand that. And I think it's up to the police to sort of see the problem is, is th- th- there's so many people in isolation. Be nice if we could do creative budgeting where you have the police, the fire department, you have some of the social services sit down at a table and say, this is what we need. Right. How do we make a concerted effort to ensure council understands the balance? We don't do that in this community. And that would be something that would be very effective and work for everybody. Unfortunately, council sits there and they've got this whole big, thick journal. Then they come in with the mayor's budget. You know, I mean, what a crime. Uh-huh. Come on, guys. It's such a messed up system. But nevertheless, so council's got these two budgets on their table, and it's a hard decision. Make, working on one's hard. Yeah. Working on two is very difficult. Uh, let's talk about the London Police Association. They put out a statement this week on Twitter, X, whatever it is you want to call it, uh, about uh, supporting the London Police Services Board's budget, which that's that's standard fare. That happens pretty regularly. But within the statement, they wrote, thank you to Mayor Josh Morgan and Susan Stevenson and Steve Lehman, who are city councillors, for pushing back on the defund the police zealots. I didn't understand that from a couple of perspectives. One, as the fire truck goes by the studio, one, it felt needlessly combative. Needlessly combative. Two, it felt as though you were going to get what you wanted anyway. So why did you kind of have to lob a, a PR grenade into the middle of the conversation? Steve, did you yeah. see that? And what did you think of it? That's exactly it. And I looked at that and I thought, why are we creating division when there doesn't need to be division? Right. And by using that kind of language, of course, we all want a safe community. Yeah. So we can debate how we're going to get there, but we all want that, right? Uh, and so to put it that kind of language out, you're just sort of amping up the divisive communication that we have in some of our, you know, social issues right now. And you're also then discounting 
folks that have legitimate points to be made. Yeah. Because I think, hey, I've got some issues with your budget is very like that's completely reasonable thing to say to any public agency. That doesn't mean you're a zealot if you have said that. Exactly. We all have a right to and we all have a responsibility to speak up. Yeah. And those of us that have voices have that responsibility. Here's how I feel about this. I'm paying the freight, not an unreasonable thing to bring to the table. I mean, it. To me, anyways, from a strategic perspective, I think if I was in their shoes, I don't know if it was necessary or not. I think given the fact that I do believe that the community is very much on side and supportive of this. I think, again, based on, I think, where things are at from a policing, from a security perspective, how people are feeling from a safety perspective in the community. And I think that's where they really hit the nail on the head in that messaging. Uh, and in this, you know, felt a bit more reflective of maybe a couple of years ago where there was quite a bit more volume and activity on this front of defund the police. And, and, and in fairness, I mean, I think responding to that, you know, there's a lot of people in the community that it would galvanize. Cause I think a lot of people feel very strongly about not doing that and, and the importance of policing in the community. Uh, but at, at this point in time right now, um, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to hurt or change the ask. I just don't know if, it, if that language was necessary at this point in time. I think it was two years late. Um, but people, there's still that defund the police, not not the momentum that we had years ago where you got letters saying, you know, you can't have show pictures on your site and of police officers because they're all bad. Um, so yeah, that was years ago. And let's, and I'm, and I'm hoping they don't, that he didn't poke the the bear with that because that's dangerous when you start that up again. I think we, I think we're we're all in agreement that we do need better policing. We do yeah. need to help in the community. So, like I, I'm unfortunate that Rick chose to use that term. I I, I wouldn't have used it at all. And no. I'll I'll go a step further and say this: when people say, "Hey, I want better policing," that in some people's minds might mean, "Hey, I would like it so there are." mental health professionals who are available to help people who are in mental yep. health crisis as opposed to police mm-hmm. officers, which yep. to me makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Right. And I know a lot of people within policing would say the very same thing. I, and, I, and I think money, it'd be money better spent if that's how we were doing it, as opposed to hiring a bunch of new officers, hire some new officers, hire a bunch of new mental health professionals, and, and everybody gets what they want because the, we're trying to lighten the police workload. So if you take mental health off their plates, we have lightened the police workload. And that's yeah. why you need to bring more than the police right. board together to talk about a budget. Exactly. But this is the province yeah. too. Because yeah. London can't just... Yeah, uh, uh, sure, yeah, it starts, it here, starts here. But London can't just say, hey, we've got our own mental health force. This is something that ne- needs to be an alteration of the Police Act. And there needs to be conversations at the provincial level about how we're doing this. Because... We hear all the time from, be it the police association, be it from the chief, hey, a huge percentage of our time is taken up with mental health calls. Yeah, and, and I don't think anyone disputes that. And I think that all of everyone should be able to agree, you London police officers should not be responding to those mental health calls unless there's a very specific danger to the community that, that goes along with that. So let's try to figure out what that solution is, as opposed to putting more money into policing. Completely reasonable thing to bring to the table. However, that's not just solely a London thing, and that's not going to be solved in one London four-year budget, I don't think. Different right. conversation it can be. You, it can be a London thing. Why not? We, well, we can start it here. Why sure, not? But the province is going to have to sign off on it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. If we force them, if council and the police Get board some other municipalities together on it. Maybe get some, yeah. I think they're all looking for that kind of resources in their community. It takes one to break the back. You know that. Yeah. Um, 
the $42 million training facility. Is this the right time for that? that, that I, I just want to come back to that, one, that question one more time before we go on to just general budget stuff. You've asked for a lot of stuff and $42 million, that's, that takes a big chunk out of what we're doing here. Again, I know that counselors can't say to the police, just pick individual things out of the, out of the budget. But is, 40, is, is now the right time for $42 million on a training facility? Like, I, I, I want to talk to the chief about this and I tried to get him on the podcast this week, but he was busy. They've got some other stuff going on this week that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But I, I would like to hear more about why we need that right now. Yeah, that that's 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 the one thing that I want to know is is explain to me why you need this, Jared. Is that? Is, I think it's fair to ask. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've. I mean, I just haven't seen it, but sort of a specific business case or yeah. how how the what the what's going to come of that training center exactly. And I don't obviously with a hundred and something new employees and however many new officers, uh, maybe a new training center is is helpful. I don't know if that's going to be a, a regional because I think if I'm not mistaken that there are oftentimes where police will go and train. Uh, in other yeah. cities and in other forces, depending on the type of training facilities they have. So I don't know if this is a you know a benefit where we get more people coming into London for training. Um, but certainly it's, you know, again, from the police perspective, why not ask for it right now? Yeah, I think that's uh, the very... I guess they're going to ask, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But maybe if I were on council, that would be one spot where I would have some questions for the chief about why are we doing this right now? Is this the time for it? Let's get to the 8.8%. No, I want to talk about that. Yeah, talk about that. Um, now's the time to ask for it because it gives some flexibility to council. But see, that's the problem we face as a single-tier municipality. If we were <clears throat> regional in London, in the area, we could do that and invite all our neighbors into the training facility, which we would get money back. We'd reap the money right. back. So I, I think there's, unfortunately, being a single tier, we have to be all things to all people in London. We don't have that interaction with the communities outside. Uh, real quick, you wanted to talk about Thames Valley District School Board saying they do not want school resource officers at their meeting this week. Yeah. Um, some people did not like that decision. Some people did. Where'd you stand on it? Oh, ridiculous. You know, I, I hope none of the kids get licenses and drive a car because let me tell you how triggered I am when they come up to my window <laughs> and they say to me, mm, do you know how fast you were going? No, I wasn't going fast <laughs> at all. Uh, no, yeah, I got triggered. I, I got a ticket. So like in life, you get triggered by all kinds of things. If I see them behind me, I'm panicky. What the hell have I done? Have I, you know, gone through a red light? What have I done? So... The police aren't in the school to trigger. The police are in the school to ensure that the relationship is developed between students and police because it's, it's in their life. So well, <clears throat> cutting it out saying it solves everything doesn't solve anything. I, I, don't, uh, I don't have children, but uh, from my work colleagues, friends that have kids in the schools right now, uh, it sounds pretty tough. And, you know, having an extra presence of security I don't think would be a bad thing to help curb some of that. I mean, even just a presence alone, yeah. I think can make a big difference. And to have even that building of that relationship and understanding who the police are, uh, you know, I, personally for me anyways, I, I think it's a very useful thing to have in the schools. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to say but hush, there is data. There is data that uh, yeah. folks, well, there is. Uh, and uh, uh, people with visible people of visible minorities and so on are triggered by that. 
I don't necessarily think the answer is keep them out of the schools. But then the answer becomes to me, how do we build that relationship knowing that that's, that's a relationship that is not working right now as a population? Yeah, that's a... So what do they do about that? So instead of saying, no, they're not coming in the schools, I don't think that was the answer. I think maybe, no, they're not coming in the schools until we address the issues where groups of our, our community will I want to say, hush my mouth. The Catholic <laughs> board have brought the police in. Good job. <laughs> and Steve, to your point, I mean, I will say, I think, you know, it's trying to solve the problem, right? Not just ignore it. And by taking the police out of school, you're not yeah. dealing with that. You're just not dealing with it, right? Exactly. And, and then it creates other problems that people do like having the police there for. So, yep. you know, try and, try and find a way to, to solve that for sure is important. Yeah, there there may have been a middle ground here, like a plan to yep. work its way back in. Like, depending, like, you know, hey, we're going to tr- do this, this, and this and try to, try to get this done. That's obviously not what the board was interested right. in. So we... And that's where they dropped the ball a bit. I think they could right. look at a two, three-year window or whatever. Well, let's reevaluate yeah. in two years. Here's the actions we're going to take between now right. and then. And maybe and that's something we want to police. Right say, hey, we're going to take these actions, yeah. the following actions as well. And there's, yeah. So there was uh, definitely a conversation to be had there. I uh, want to move on to the city's overall budget. 8.8% tax increase in year one. That number is going to go down as we get through the further uh, years two, three, and four of the four-year budget. But 8.8% to start, that's a big sticker shot number. We haven't had a number like that in London in years. It's been a very long time. Now, there have been some things that the, the, where the can has been kicked down the road. If you look at policing funding, you look at transit funding, where we've been behind. Yeah. And that explains why we get to 8.8% here. Do you think most lenders are going to be okay with 8.8%, Steve, if that's where we settle here? No. no. I don't think they'll be okay <laughs> with it. I think they should be, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to be, no. no. Jared? No, I, I would agree. I, I don't think anyone's going to be happy to see that number, and especially knowing that I think we're averaging around 7.5% each year over the four-year term. Yeah. So, you know, collectively going up by a pretty significant number over that time period. At the same time, it's challenging. I mean, you know, the I think every municipality, large urban center right now, has the problem of costs going up, costs increasing, more people coming and living in the community, an increased need for services and trying to keep up. And uh, between keeping up with existing services and improvements on those existing services plus the police budget you get pretty close to those numbers like there's not a lot of extra being added in here so it's it's tough it's a tough pill to swallow uh, i just think without you know without even a five five and a half percent increase looking at reduction in services in the city right five and a half is status quo yeah we're one of the fastest growing cities in the country so that's going to put pressure on uh, just by itself we're tackling health and homelessness issues uh, in ways that other communities are not. Uh, that adds some cost until we start seeing the payoff on, on, the, on those initiatives. The housing issues, I think um, the stat was that 50% of Londoners see homelessness as uh, the number one priority in our community. So to solve those things, unfortunately, right now, it's going to cost a lot of extra money yeah. while we get ahead of them. And I will say this for the mayor's budget, at least, the homeless, the, the proposals that would go towards health and homelessness, they're not, they weren't saying no to basically any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as though they've skimped on some areas and, 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 and spent too much on others. Cheryl, 8.8% hard number to swallow. Does the fact that Toronto's at nine and a half change the narrative here at all? That, well, okay. The, Don't care. Let, yeah. <laughs> Don't care about outside communities. Fair enough. Too much, too much radio bombarding us from Toronto. Don't care. Um, so, Jared, you've run. How many people, when you ran, st- stood up there and said, vote for me, I'll lower your taxes? 
90 percent yeah mm-hmm. and so so the question is are lending the lender just gonna buy it no of course not and then you're gonna have all the we're gonna run against them next time and we're gonna lower your taxes vote for us we're gonna lower their taxes they get elected and they sit there and they go oh shit where do we start mm-hmm. if we lower taxes where do we start who do we hurt so yeah they're gonna like it no absolutely not and they're going to be angry and they're going to complain, and as typical Londoners do, um, and saying to them, well, you know, we're, we're less than this city, and we're less than Toronto, and we're, we have less police officers. We have, they don't care. They don't care. It's coming out of my pocket. See, when, when I look at a budget, though, unfortunately, one of the things they don't do well at City Hall, haven't done it for a while, <clears throat> is it's a, it's, it's a balance sheet. You have credits, and you have debits. So... If you want to increase your spending, you got to increase your income. Um, it's time to start looking at land use. It's time to look at the urban boundary. It's it's t- time to look at unrestricted zoning. There's all kinds of things that can be done that will provide more money in the coffers, more homes, more opportunities in London that will pay for the debits. And and that's that's the we got to start looking at. The other side of it, we're looking at the takeaways. What about the put-ins? Put it simple. Um, for women like me who are not great at math. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I agree with that. That there's multiple ways this can be looked at. The one thing that I keep coming back to though is I I property tax is the worst tax we have. Yes, of course yeah. it is. And it is, it is it is it is the worst tax yeah. we have, and it's the only way that we get to fund municipalities. Yeah. So that just adds to the difficulty here for councilors when they're trying to figure this out. I I, I think eight point eight percent. Again, no one's throwing anyone a parade, but at the <laughs> same time, I think when you sit down and explain to people, hey, here's why it's going to be eight point eight percent. You're going to get a significant percentage to say, okay, I, I understand that. I, I don't love it, but I understand it. I, I maybe I'm being naive, but I think that's the way it's going to go. There are going to be some people that are furious, of course, but I think you're going to get a percentage that understand it, knowing, hey, here's this cost pressure, here's that cost pressure. We want to do, take care of this issue, take care of that issue, and of course, just keeping everything the same uh, would have cost you five point whatever percent. I, I, I think that most people would be able to wrap their heads around that, but you you based on the look on your face, you do not agree with me, Cheryl. <laughs> oh God, no, I don't. Okay. Um, you know. <laughs> But she's so kind about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow for everybody and every, because every time I, I see my tax bill and I think, geez, that's a lot of money I'm putting out in taxes, and I know, I know exactly what the city has, and their only opportunity is taxing us. But that's why I keep throwing my, let's bring in more money. Let's bring in more more industrial land. Look at the beautiful industrial land that we can. Let's let's pre-zone 401 and 402. Like there's all kinds of things we can do to attract people so that it makes it simple. We just make the planning department a little bit easier to work with. You bring in inspectors who know what the hell they're doing, um, then the process works. But that's going to be looked at, too. Jared, do you have any opinions about the planning department? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Planning and building, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I will say, to Cheryl's point, I mean, it is, you know, we know uh, as as the Home Builder Association, I mean, our members are a massive contributor to the city's economy every year. 
And certainly, you know, one of the conversations we even have with the city is around some of the allocation or assessment growth allocation. And where does that growth come from? Generally, it comes from economic development through development of land and home building. Uh, it's a huge area for us. And so anything that the city can do to try and make development process simpler, easier, a short amount of time, make it more enviable to develop and build in London than it is to build in Middlesex Center, Thames Center, Strathroy, St. Thomas, surrounding communities where I hear from members all the time. Uh, we don't want to necessarily build in London anymore because it's just gotten too frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I will say to the credit of Scott Mathers and a number of folks on city staff, they've been working hard over the last year and a half to try and make some improvements. We've seen some come along, uh, you know, certainly planning staff's removal of five bedroom limit across the city will certainly be a big help, uh, you know, if council approves that hopefully soon. Uh, but as well, I think we're looking forward to seeing over the next year um, on the planning side, some changes to come, some maybe amendments or changes to the London plan and height restrictions, which would certainly encourage infill and more intense development and more money coming into the city coffers. To I feel Cheryl's like point. I teed you up, Jared. You, you might have there. That was a yeah, good, good one, too, there. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> good, good. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about one more story before we uh, wrap up our chat here. And I want to talk about what's coming to London on Monday, which is a news conference about the Hockey Canada sex assault case and this news conference has become so big that london police have told people it's at the convention center so it is going to be every media in the country regular news sports news everyone is going to be here and it is going to be um quite frankly a spectacle and apparently according to reporting in um from tsn the five players are going to be officially charged on Monday and have a court appearance as well. Now, they may not actually be here physically for the appearance. They may just have lawyers handle it for them. Either way, there's going to be a lot going on in the city on Monday. I'm not going to sit here and say this is an embarrassment for London. We've had all sorts of things that have gone on that are actual embarrassments. But this is something that did happen here. Does it put the city in a negative light nationally? Is this more of a a hockey story than it is a London-specific story, do you all think? Oh, it's a hockey story. It wasn't London's fault. It wasn't anybody in London said, you go into that hotel there and, you know, drink and party. No, nobody said that. So the reality is it's a sports story. It has nothing to do with London. just happens to be here. And I appreciate the fact that the chief is prepared to make it an opportunity for people to attend because the worst thing is gossip. This seems to me open, wide, yeah. let's talk about And that, about that it. little room they have at, at London Police Headquarters, and no, you've, all, you've all been yeah, in it. That yeah. was never going to hold a news no, conference like this. No, never, ever, ever. No. Yeah. And to Cheryl's point, I agree with you. It's a hockey story. It's a sports story. Uh, and again, weaving back in what we talked about with the chief, the fact that we've moved it to allow for a fuller communica- communication, fuller community participation is a good signal because it is a hockey story, but it's an it's a awful, it's a horrible hockey story, of course. And it allows for some of that communication, some of that discussion to be in a more open forum than, uh, than tucking it away and five people being charged with something. It is quite interesting to see that they're now going to do this at RBC Place, obviously recognizing national attention, maybe beyond, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but certainly recognizing that. And, and you know, this is the, this whole story and situation is, is horrible. And I think we've I think we've talked about it on your show before, Craig, but, you know, something that, you know, is a bit more pervasive in the hockey community and, and is concerning. And, and I think addressing it in this fashion will be important for that reason on the sense of, though, how does this reflect on London or does it or does it not? 
I'm going to come at this from maybe a bit of a strange perspective, but I actually think by virtue of having such a substantial press conference, national, international attention, it weirdly may actually show London in a more serious light as a major city player. Yeah. Um, you know, from a host perspective, from a sports perspective, it might sound really weird, but I think just the way that we're going about it, the the professionalism, the seriousness it's being treated with, and the scale and scope of it, um, it might actually bring some other attention to London. I agree with that. Good attention, too. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that we're so open about it, I don't think London has to wear this at no. all. No, no. no. Uh, I will say this, and there will be some pointed questions for London police about why this is not more thoroughly investigated when it happened. Yep. yep. But that sort of thing, that sort of policing mistake, uh, if that's what it turns out to be, and we'll see how this trial progresses, uh, that could happen anywhere in Canada, especially when we're talking about Hockey Canada, especially when we're talking about famous hockey players, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, And if it was a policing mistake, if it was, wouldn't it be great if it was owned up as that? Like, I think yeah. that's part of going forward is, 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 is being clear with each other. And so if there was a mistake made a few years ago when it happened, to own it and say, yes, there was a mistake made, uh, it should have been investigated in some different way, if mm-hmm. that's the case. Here's where we're at right now. And I think and with the new chief of forward. police, I think he's yeah. the kind yeah. of person that would do that. Yeah. I will say yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, policing in the GTA, as far as the level of public transparency goes, and that's where Ty Trong is from, it is a different thing than what we've seen in London. Yeah. Far more transparency in the GTA than what we've seen in London yeah. recently. Yeah. Maybe that's going to change. Yeah, I think he's uh, a refreshing change. Uh, and I will add this. Uh, I had Alison Craig on the podcast on, on Tuesday, and you can go listen to that. And we... Uh, had a conversation sort of right after, uh, right before uh, the official uh, letters came out from all these guys' lawyers saying that they've been charged. When she wondered if something materially changed, and that's what really sparked the investigation, be it uh, some evidence they found, testimony, maybe a player who was in that hotel room uh, provided some witness accounts to police who knows there's all sorts of things that could have happened but this may not have been a policing mistake that caused the case to be closed and then reopened again this may be a situation where they got new evidence and and we probably won't know this for several years but we're going to see how this comes uh uh comes down the pipe for uh londoners and for everyone in canada who's going to be watching this thing we'll wrap up the podcast here so thank you very much to jared and steve and cheryl for doing the friday roundtable with us this week of course you can find the craig needles podcast at londonnewstoday.ca and classicrock981.com you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts the craig needles podcast is powered by downtown london The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 